0: Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Scrubs, The Travel Nurse Experience. I'm your host, Justin Allison. I've been in the healthcare recruiting game for going on 20 years now. Super grateful and humbled to be here and share the stories of our real-life heroes. This podcast is for the travel nurse community, and we will be sharing stories from the heroes of the patient care story and many others. I'm filled with gratitude that you decided to press play and enjoy this episode joel my man uh thank you uh, so Good much man. for nice coming on today yeah, uh, yeah it's absolute it pleasure and wonderful. incredible um and welcome to behind the scrubs podcast the the travel nurse experience and to start Uh, you uh, joined the Navy in in 97 working as an uh, emergency trauma clinician um, in the hospital and in out in the field Uh, I know you had mentioned that you also were with the Navy SEALs in the mid-2000s and then you uh, retired uh, from the Navy in 2008 you're currently working as an ER travel nurse uh, while also building a clinical education business on the side and leveraging the the power of social media to get that off the the ground. Uh, you surf. You're a musician. You are the proud father of two beautiful girls. Man, is there anything that you don't do?
1: No. If I can do it, if I can learn it, then I'll do it. You know, so I, I'm a the jack of all trades, but a master of none. Unless you consider my nursing career or my healthcare career a mastership, which I would kind of, I would hope to think that. But you know, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm a master in medical. Uh, I don't know that anybody really ever masters medical. We're always learning, right? Um, the other thing I would probably say I'm pretty good with surfing, if that, my mastery, but all that aside, I really just like doing all different things. I think that the common theme of all that is just truly enjoying my life and finding something else that gives me enjoyment during the time that I can, and then go back to my staple things like music, music surfing or doing medical saving lives too.
0: That's amazing. Well, you're you're crushing it. I think it might be a bit of an understatement, uh, with everything that you're up to. But so so what's what's exciting in your your world? We're in, you know, February of twenty twenty one. You know, like what, what's exciting? What are you up to right now? What do you got going on?
1: Uh, this weekend I'm gearing up to go, as a matter of fact, soon as we're done with this podcast, I'll be going to set up my you know, clean up the garage, get all my camping stuff ready. We're camping on the beach overlooking the cliff at San Onofre on the military base. Thanks for my retirement. Hey, thanks Marine Corps. um maybe. So uh, I'll be setting up a, a pretty good campsite right along the cliffside, and then we also have a bungalow just down the way. So I have two low, two main spots. I have a I have a few family members and friends coming. Uh, so we're we're socially distancing our um, our area to be able to enjoy um, the beach, and then be, uh, there's some surf coming in for the weekend. So it should just be all around a. Uh, a pretty great weekend.
0: Where is that at? I'm not actually familiar with that. So uh, that's the
1: Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, which is if you're going from North Orange County, you go south down towards Mexico, you're gonna, uh, as soon as you go south, and you hit the Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton right along the ocean uh, on the five south, You'll hit Camp Pendleton, the Marine Corps base, and then that's the start of technically of San Diego. So technically, I'm in San Diego for that point. But then, and if you keep going south, you'll hit Oceanside down into um, through a couple of the beach towns, and then you'll hit San Diego. It's, it's like the main part of San Diego, but it, it's just a really quiet area. The Marine Corps base has kept that base a nature preserve. That's one reason why they're able to keep the base is they keep it as a nature preserve, so then it keeps any extra buildings off. There's no um, general housing and population. It's it's either military housing or it's uh, military uh, establishments to do training with. And so the beach area there, they have some beautiful bungalows and, and campsites that are both RV or, or tent campsites, and it just is a really great spot to get away um, you can't just civilians can't just come on base as they please. They have to walk from way down the beach along the beach line to get to the surf spot. So it keeps the surf spot empty. So really, when you when you look at the end of like, it's probably one of the best places in California as far as uh, to be able to, to be on a holiday weekend or a downtime or something because you could just as sure. quiet and it's world class waves.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, have have an amazing time. It sounds like it's incredible, and so I'm sure you will. Uh, surfing is a big part of your lifestyle. So, how did you get into that, and when did you when did you start surfing?
1: Um, I started when I was 14. I, I originally skateboarded all my life, but skateboarding when you fall hurts. So does surfing, but not like skateboarding. <laughs> and so it's a, it was an easy transition. And I started in Florida, where Kelly Slater grew up surfing, Cocoa Beach. Uh, and then yeah. I moved from there to Charleston, South Carolina, and and I surfed in between both places. But Charleston didn't really have very good surf very often. It ha- it'll have every you know every spot has its day. But I got to the point where I, I was I said you know what <clears throat> I don't want to be here anymore. I want to I want to get to better surf. And so I was 19, going on 20, and and there was a lot of problems in South Carolina at that age, especially if you didn't have a lot of guidance. And, and most of my family had left South Carolina, and I was there by myself. And so. I said, you know what, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to get some real surf. You know, if I'm going to create a a world around surfing, that's what I want to do. When I was 16, I originally, um, you know, back then we didn't have all the streaming stuff. You know, all you had was magazines. And all you saw was the magazines come out from California and, you know, skate and surf and, and the U.S. Open in Huntington Beach. And that was, at the time, considered the skate mecca, skate and surf mecca of the world, Huntington Beach. And I said, you know what, when I'm... When i was 16 I was when, when i retired when i retired from the navy i, I originally retired in 2018 not 2008 but, but that that's cool but so at um when i retired i was like you know when i retire at, uh, whenever i want to retire on huntington beach so i was able to achieve that three years ago and in, in huntington beach so that was a pretty uh, you know I, I drove for that you know but it, it wasn't it just kind of fell into place and, and I'm, I'm pretty stoked that this is where i ended up being because you know, when I was in South Carolina, I was like, this is not the life I want to live. I love Charleston, sure. it's such a beautiful city, but it was, it wasn't conducive to keeping my mind away from a lot of the tragedies that life brings, you know, and surfing really helps with keeping your, your mental and emotional states in a, in a better place, you know, so then You know, which even brings me to every year for my birthday. You know, I'm at the age where kids don't care. (laughs) You know, they don't care. Like, okay, what's for my birthday? I said, well, what about my birthday? And they're like, yeah. uh, Well, your birthday's coming soon. But my birthday is, and I'm like, well, for my birthday, I'm going to go to Hawaii. (laughs) So every year for my birthday, I go to Hawaii. So, which this March, March 4th through the 14th i'll be in hawaii for 10 days just
0: surfing oh, we're we're gonna miss each other actually i'm i'm going to hawaii on the 15th to, Ma- to maui just gonna miss you go, uh, yeah, yeah. what island are you going to i'm going to oahu i go there oahu. because it's
1: such it's really good ways and there's a large military support so i get a lot of things
0: cheap yeah i've actually uh the the only time i've ever surfed in hawaii was on oahu and eva beach which is more of a low oh, yeah. if you're familiar with eva beach um yeah um but it's beautiful i also want to go back to south carolina just from i've uh, myrtle beach in south carolina i've spent a summer out there and it's beautiful it's a great time um but there is a big difference between the east coast uh surf and, and the west coast surf that's right yeah, yeah
1: well if you go to hawaii again maybe we'll do a podcast in hawaii next week.
0: that would that would be huge yeah yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be a lot yeah. Of fun so uh so surfing and then on to so how did you end up uh joining the navy to kick off your you know your, your clinical career
1: I had always been the type of child where I I didn't, I didn't really have a great family growing up. I I think, you know, that's kind of a common theme between a lot of people and a lot of their families, but I I really didn't have the best family unit and there was a lot of moving, a lot of moving. And uh, I had always had kind of that kinder presence. You know, I always played with the kids who were developmentally delayed or had some kind of physical attribute problem. And, uh, and, it just kind of leaded me to, as, as I got ready to um, decide what I wanted to do with my forward life, you know, I wanted to just kind of hang from 18 to 21. I knew, I was like, I'm just, this is, you only get this one time in life, and I'm going to spend this time just kicking it, and I have no problem doing it. And I'm going to come around here, I'm going to go around there, I'm going to just do whatever. But I knew what, when 21, uh, 22, that region started hitting, I was like, okay, well, it's time to get into gear, you know, and get some college done. And and I was, I had finally graduated high school. uh in South Carolina and said, you know, I I need to figure out something else to do. And that was part of the time of moving to South Carolina and then moving to California. I apologize. And so when I, I was on my route there, I had ended up in Missouri to visiting with my mom and where she lived in Missouri and said, okay, before I get to California, I'm going to stop in Missouri and hang out with my mom for a couple of months and then I'll, I'll head out over. But in the reality, I was actually scared to move to California by myself. And moving to Missouri was kind of like a crutch to just like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just hang out there for a little while. You know, I'll be near my mom. And I wanted to move to California really bad, but I didn't have anybody to go with and I didn't know anybody there. And then next thing you know, I'm promoting raves and and in, in a big party scene in, in St. Louis and Chicago. And I was, I was really heavily involved in that. And I was looking at the people around me and I was looking at my life and I'm like, And then I got a call from one of my best friends in South Carolina who told me one of my other best friends had died from a cocaine overdose. And I said, you know what? (laughs) This is not the life for me. And I said, uh, I'm going to go. My dad retired Navy after 20 years. And I said, um, I'm going to go check that out. I really enjoyed how I felt the Navy had a presence of family environment. We used to always always have these big family picnics, you know, for um, the mandatory fun days is what the military would call it. But it would be a, a picnic day that they would put together and all the families would show up. And that's how you mingled. And I remembered those as being really a, a fun, comfortable family environment because I didn't have that really. You know, and, and I would look at those as, as one of those times when we had that. So I said, OK, I know that if I joined the Navy, I would be near the beach somewhere. Cause the Navy is on the water. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's okay. I could do that. And then I said, but I don't want to be on a ship, but I like helping people. And so I went down to the recruiters and I said, okay, you know what? I, I want to get out of here. This is, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to get back to the beach. I want to be able to do something that can help people. I said, I want to be a Navy seal. <laughs> and they were like, uh, okay. Um, and I said, uh, but I want to do medical with the Navy seals. And they said, well, you could do that too. So technically, you'd be a special warfare diefare hospital foreman. I'm like, okay, that's a long title. Cool, let's do that. <laughs> you know, so they set me up to, to get ready to go. And then I went straight to um, boot camp. And um, they, they didn't have the pathway they have today for Navy SEALs. Today, there is so much more money and in marketing into being a special warfare um, military person, especially for the Navy.
0: SEALs. Do, do you think that has anything to do with uh, Jocko Willink's celebrity? no
1: i think no. what it has to do i mean if that helps in bringing attention and awareness for sure. sure as him and david goggins and quite a few yeah, others i goggins, think a lot of yeah. movies and stuff put out but those were intentional that was sure. intentional side side advertising to bring because one seal class will have about 260 to 300 people start in the pre-training phase and then Uh, by the time they hit hell week they're about down to 230 200 and by the time they end hell week they're down to about 60 or 70 you know so there's a huge attrition and so the goal of that is to try to figure out how how do you increase the numbers to make it through hell week and and beyond you know and so they they just have done a lot of research and, and put a lot of money towards doing so and so when so now they have created a definitive pipeline so which good. is really good because i'm kind of in a testament to how the pipeline works now and didn't work before is because i joined uh, and went straight to boot camp and what they're doing with the pipeline now is they send you straight to that pre-training phase with the buds you check in with them and you oh, do wow. that set up with them you don't go to a regular division anymore Where well, i went to a regular division and when i'm in the division i said when am i going to go work out with the seal guys and they said yeah 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 we'll get to that and then i'd ask again and then they would kind of get pissy about it and they let me go one time one time in all of my two two month of boot camp and then i was like okay so then they're like okay well you're not you're graduating you're going to go to core school which is Navy hospital Corpsman school which was right across the street um across the main road so i graduated went over there i checked in and said when am i going to work with the seals When am i doing when am i going to start the pipeline and they're like oh well you have to finish core school first I'm like, finished core school? Well, I thought I was supposed to do training with them. I'm not going to be able to be fit and, and ready to do that. I can't just show up. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to them. We'll ask. And nothing ever happened. And I, I'd ask. And then finally, I was like, okay, uh, let, let me see what happens with graduate with core school. I got ready to graduate. They're like, oh, you're going to go to Okinawa, Japan with the Marines. And I was like, what? <laughs> Where's the teal stuff? You know, I'm like, how is that? And then by that time, I was, I was getting so much of a run around. I was like, okay, I was just getting demotivated to even try anymore. I was sure. like, all right, fine. So then I started looking at Okinawa, Japan, and I realized it had really good surf. And it's all, all, I mean, it's a tropical island, 700 miles south of mainland Japan. I was like, okay, let's see what this brings, you know. And, and so it took off there when they sent me with the Marines. I went to South, to California, did a couple of months to learn how to work with the Marines. And then from there, they sent me straight over to Japan. And And man, that water is beautiful, you know. And at that time, I was 22, you know, and I'm like, I realized the cars were awesome, the girls were cute, the surf was great, and there was there, you know, and like I was, I was like, I was in kind of a heaven. I was like, okay, I'll,
0: I'll. You you had made it. You had made it in life at that moment in time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't know. You know, I got sent somewhere that ended up being a gem, and I ended up staying there for nine years. In that, it was such a cool spot to be, and there was so much cool um, culture and, and atmosphere. You know, and then I really. Uh, I, I really kind of started networking with the surf community, and then I was skateboarding too, and I networked with the um, with the skateboard community. And you know, I was like, I was young, so I wanted a girlfriend. I was like, okay, I'm gonna. I me I really started learning Japanese quick, bro. Like, I got into that quick, and I speak fluent Japanese now. You know, <laughs> but um,
0: again, to my to my earlier point, is there anything that you don't do? Yes, yeah, so See, we're uncovering more things. So, uh, so, no, so, no, carry yeah. on. Uh,
1: you know, when I put my mind to it, I, I kind of go for it. You know, so, I love it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, at that point, you know, then I started getting into, to drifting and next thing you know, I'm building drift cars and I, I moved into, uh, I was living out next to a automotive garage that built drift and race cars, but inadvertently. And I was like, well, that's super lucky. And next thing you know, I'm working with the car shop and I'm helping promote stuff for them. And, and then I got a sponsorship with drifting and then, uh, you know, and then we're going up to mainland Japan doing that. And I was, I had a sponsorship with surfing and, you know, and so I was not fully, I got, I got fully involved in.
0: How old were you at this point like we're out in your time
1: 22 all the way up to um, I left in 2006 so nine years in Japan and tried to stay but they were like no 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 no. <laughs> yeah. you need to be feet." I was like oh well all right well then I want to go back to California and they were like well US Navy SEAL and Swick is open you can go work for a schoolhouse and, and the teams down in, in San Diego and I was like okay I'll take that because that's where I was originally trying to get to and so but instead of being a seal i went there as a as a corman and i would be an instructor as well as i would cover all the high risk instruction trainings and or any events that they had going on um and that was around the same time that David Goggins was starting to get really popular and then we heard about Lone Survivor, uh, you know, and and that movie came out and SEAL Team 6 and all these other shows started coming out. So I started meeting a lot of those guys because they're all from the team and they're all coming in and out of San Diego. So that was really, really one of my cooler points of the military
0: as a so real quick side note i have to just add i recently uh was like uh, two months ago i read david got Ga- david goggins book and it's exceptional his story is insane
1: yeah he definitely is one when you talk about elite uh personalities there there's two types of personalities though there's an emotional personality and there's a, a mental personality and I, I would say like how we appeared with like how we're talking and stuff now and then how we are as a motivative self, you know And and our ability and sometimes you know, That's why you have certain people who are so eclectic
0: your story is incredible And we really haven't even got into current events on everything that you're up to right now Which I was I'm, I'm super pumped to to dig into on but um, so uh, continue on my man,
1: so um, so at that point uh, when I was working with seals feels then uh, I spent six years with them from 2006 to to 20, 2011, and doing a lot of different trainings. And during that time, I got my certified master trainer. And I really just have always liked education and training, which will kind of bring me up to eventual current events. Uh, and uh, so I had to. It, it was a two year process, and I had to do basically what you're doing when you become a certified master trainer. And I did this with Navy SEAL SWIX, is you. Uh, you have to learn how to create a complete class, right? Like, let's say I wanted to create ACLS. I said, oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to create this class called ACLS, Advanced Cardiac Life Support. Uh, obviously, that's already been around, but this is a really good reference point. So I right. would say, okay, I'm going to create this class. And so in creation of the class, I have to put together training project plans. I would have to put in um, a student guides. So I need to create the um, instructor guide. I need to create the objectives. I need to create the start, middle, end. I need to be able to... Put it on in an actual class and demo the class and and have it as a, um, you know, a one once run through. Uh, And then once that's done, then I have to be able to submit that class to the Navy and then they run it. And then uh, if they determine it's a viable class, they'll institute it into Navy policy. Got it. It took two years to be able to, to get all that to put together. Then at the end, I sit down with a board of four to five instructors, which they were all Navy SEAL and SWIC, and they sit there and they grill me for about two hours on all the different training plans and education, and then the project and uh, and the pilot program of it and how we would run it and uh, you know. And I just have to lay it all out. And then at the end, but, you know, then I have to take an exam. And then on the exam, after the exam, then. You know, I get I get the certification, which it was really really arduous for the whole two years. So to me, I look at it like I got a master's degree in the military by doing that because there's nothing in and it is civilian equivalent that is like that, especially when you're going to say that I was grilled by uh, a panel of five Navy SEAL and Swick for over two year two hours.
0: That had to be uh, some of the most intense uh, interviewing. Or uh, yeah,
1: I wasn't a SEAL or Swick and so there's. Yeah. There is kind of this. Well, you're not really one of us, and you right. want to do this. But it was a Navy policy program I was doing with a with an emphasis on high risk management. You know, dealing with uh, what we were doing, which was high risks, um, uh, weapons systems, uh, demolitions, underwater, sky, you know, land structure, all that different things. And so that had to be part of what I was doing. And so. It definitely made it more challenging and they and they put me through the ringer because you know that's just how they are. They're like, Oh, you want to do this, huh? Okay, well let's let's have at it. And I was like, the answer is four, <laughs> you know, to to shoot from my Rodney Dangerfield time right <laughs> now going back to college. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, so but at the end when I when I was finished with it, it was really such a great accomplishment for me to to sure, you know. Sure. It's like okay, you know, it took a lot, and it took a lot to get there, and it it was that was a difficult road, but it ended up working out really
0: well. Well, that's amazing. And so, so to fast forward, obviously, again, you retire from the Navy after a great run. Um, You're again now working as a travel nurse, but uh, tell me more about nursing one, two, three. To back
1: up just a little bit before that, I I ended up I got my nursing degree while I was in the military because I was trying to get a commission for the Navy to be an officer as a nurse. And, but I, did, I didn't end up getting it, and I was getting too old, and I'm already 45 now. So you had to be commissioned by the time you were 42, and I was up on 41, and by the time I was done with nursing school and everything, and then after that, I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna get it. I'll just finish out the military, and then I'm gonna step right over to into nursing. So my first nursing, uh, I got UCSD out of in San Diego. That's a level one trauma center, yeah. and then but I was living in Huntington Beach, so I was driving back and forth, and that's almost two hours. And so I would drive down there, stay three days, and I would sleep in my van.
0: Yeah, were you working night shift too?
1: I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was working nights, and and I would sleep in my van uh, during the day at at the uh, um, at one of the malls and then they had 24-hour fitness so i would go shower at 24-hour fitness and then get ready for the day you know so that was arduous and i did that for almost three years and then i finally transferred up to uci which is another uh, level one trauma center and so i just loved trauma and that was kind of the way it was for me and in in while i was at uci i became a clinical nurse instructor and i was teaching uh the clinical nursing side of uh, of all of healthcare stuff to all these different nursing students and I had been doing it anyways. And so whenever we would get students on the floor that need uh, a preceptor, I would do that. I would volunteer to be the preceptor. And I, I just really like teaching. And, and I had been told many, many times that I'm, I'm really good at doing it. And so uh, while I was with UCI, was clinical, clinical nurse instruction, um, I kept getting asked if I would do if I had any podcasting or if I did any live feed or if I did any Instagram, YouTube. And I said, no, no, I, I really just I don't know much about doing that, but and they were like, "Well, if you do it, I'll be your, I'll, I'll be your, one of your first followers. I'll be full on. You should do it. You should do it." And I was like, "Oh," and so I started, you know, and and UCI was really arduous place to work, you know. And they talk about high turnover and burnout. You, that's a place to do it, you know, because when you're walking in at tonight shift and, and at at six thirty, and there's eight to ten ambulances in the ambulance bay, and there's forty people in the waiting room, and they're flowing out out out, out onto the main decks, and you're just. You walk in, it's a hundred and ten bed ER, and it's full with forty in the waiting room. And you're running trauma; they have a critical trauma running two, two um, moderate traumas, and there's a STEMI in the hallway, and there's and they're running a stroke right, right in CT, and they're trying to time it, you know. And you're just like,
0: unbelievable. Uh, you know,
1: at, there's only a yeah. certain amount of time. Where you're like, okay, I'm there. There's got to be, you know. I like I like busting my butt, but at the same time, this kind of like when you talk about burnout, you know. And then you then you add emotional. Aspects between different nurses at that really high level, and some people are really mean to each other, and then you have management, and a lot of times management wasn't wasn't really holding for you, and you're like, you know, that's a very common theme throughout healthcare. Healthcare is a very scrutinizing environment, if you will, you know, and and that's challenging. So at that point, I was like, you know what? We started getting a lot of travelers come through UCI. So this is starting to bring me up to where we're going to be I had a lot of travelers coming through UCI and they were traveling and they're making money and they weren't as stressed. And I was like looking at them. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? And i and all the, the students kept asking me to open something to do my own thing. And I was, I said, okay, because UCI, if you create a clinical nurse instruction page, or you create a, an item, or if you, if you just develop something, they take sole rights on your property. Because they say you created it because of your tenure with UCI, so I said, "Oh, I am not going to create a clinical nurse instruction site." And then, um, and then they come in and try to swoop it up. I'm like, well, "Okay, no. I'm 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 out." Submitted yeah. my papers and I and I rolled over to the travel travel nurse world, and and I've really enjoyed it since. There's been some challenging times and a lot of things to learn, but I, I think that in general, once you really figure it out, it, it's been pretty good. And so with that, I also at the same time have been creating just like you're doing with podcasting. And I really, I think it's wonderful that I found you and, and I'd love to be able to ask you a couple of questions more on yours here in a minute too. But uh, I, I really started creating, so I put together a thing called Nursing123. Mm-hmm. And you can find that Instagram, on, it'll be out on YouTube soon here and um, it's on Facebook as well. And so what I do with Nursing one two three and it's a base start. And so nursing one two three, if you if you don't mind me explaining what it's about.
0: Fire away. Yeah.
1: Nursing one two three is the clinical nursing aspect side of healthcare. There's a lot of pathophysiology and this is what is what that is, and you know, systematic system processes, you know, but they don't really tell you. About the floor work, you know, and what you're having to do, and a lot of the critical thinking you're gonna have to do on the floor. And when you're, especially when you talk about, sure, it's one thing to critical think about one patient. When you have four of them, and then you're taught in your turnover, you're going through 20 patients in a night, and you're, and you know, it's not one, but you've got your discharge that patient, you get a new patient, that patient's got chest pain, shortness of breath. You know, this patient over here septic and that patient over there just finished up with the stroke code and they're coming back from CT. This patient needs to roll over here and that patient's going there. You're doing this and I got that and this. And you know, and you're just like, so it's really important to understand and we don't focus on it well enough in the hospital, in the school environment that I believe. And then you're having to deal with at your, your computer systems and making sure you're charting there. Did you charge that, did yep. you chart that? And you're like, you know, and, and all that time management. And, and it's really hard to learn that. And as a clinical nurse instructor, that's our jobs as clinical nurse instructors. Whether you're for the college or you're the preceptor on the floor, your job is to be able to get them up to par to manage three or four or five patients on their own, critically thinking, ready to roll. That as soon as they graduate, if they know the care system, they know the the amount of patients they're going to manage, and then all the critical thinking that's going to go behind it. And and you do that in three three total different clinical sessions. It, it's really it ends up not being enough, and so looking at that and taking advantage of that idealism i wanted to create nursing one two three and so nursing one two three going back to it is it's a three-part piece but it also is a a second connotation of one two three start one two three go this is the beginning this is where you need to be this is what's going to be the core of your existence and so I, i created it with one two three also being as uh one would be nurse to nurse culture and instruction and all the great things that surround the nursing community you know clinical nursing uh you know, process aspect and and bringing on other clients or, or you know, um, having students work with you, having to deal with a company who's coming in and they're, they're wanting to use their product, you know, and dealing with management, dealing with MEMS, dealing with bad patients, dealing with good patients, dealing with other clinical nurses, you know, and just that whole world. There's so much content, right. there. it's ridiculous. And then, so then the second part was, I understand that there is a need in the hospital for a one-team unified, and we've always talked about that. But really, it, it doesn't seem to happen as often as I, w- I would like it to, so I want to help add on and, and facilitate that. And it's called nurse-to-physician collaboration, a team-centered environment, really understanding that the head of the team is the patient. And, and when we listen to the patient more, we can get so much more done, as well as having a better relationship with the physicians and other nurses, as well as pharmacy, x-ray, radio, uh, x-ray respiratory therapy, um, physical therapy. All of that is being one team, not as they all kind of do their separate things and then tell us, hey, here's what I did. And you're like, oh, OK, you know, you, you're getting involved in the process. And that jumps back to the nursing, the nurse to nurse culture and instruction and helping make sure these things are happening. Right. Then the third part, which is really one of, one of the more important parts because it per, it talks about preventive medicine. The third part is um, patient education before the hospital, hospital admission, and discharge. And, and with a good focus on discharges, hey, you've been granted this new gift and like diabetes, and here's now how you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy your gift, you know, and you wouldn't have had to have that gift had we focused more on preventive medicine and understanding why preventive medicine is so important. And a lot of times our preventive medicine side is not well understood because we don't see the end of what's happening. We tend to go, I don't, want, I don't really care. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So in some ways I want to push that more in their face to where they kind of see it and then they understand and it gives them more of a reason why um, they want to have preventive medicine. Why that? And so at the and when they can't say, well, I didn't know and you say, well, you did know and you were told many times and now you have this. So don't don't get down and out about having it. Fix yourself. Do what you can. Stay strong. Stay healthy. Be smart. Be wise. Educate yourself and fix yourself, period, because you have to do you. Nobody else is going to come in and you got to stop living off of just give me a pill and I want to get back to my normal life. That doesn't work. We have talked about that many, many, many times over. Just taking a pill isn't, isn't the solution. The solution right. is preventive medicine and taking better care of yourself and enjoying your life, right? So that's what te- technically nurse, um, nursing one, two, three is all about. And its core mantra would be um, the in, main thing is it's, its base would be enjoy your life. We're, we're here to help teach you how to do that better through uh, both um, mental Emotional and physical well-being. So that that's my mantra.
0: Well, your 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 intentions are are amazing, and what you're doing. And one thing I just want to uh, add to, or at least I guess kind of highlight what you said a minute ago when you're going through that is that the patient is the head of the team. I love I love everything about that and and really just the again the if we can come together and like again from the kind of the uh, what you example you shared as far as the, the doctor and the nurses and everyone that's involved in the patient care process can come together as a team as one it's going to ultimately going to lead to a better outcome for the patient at the end of the day and you know we we can do things better when We're together, essentially, right? Um, And so another thing I know you, uh, is is in terms of like your teaching uh, beliefs or like your philosophy, um, is like teaching to remember. So can you talk a little bit about about that as well?
1: Everybody in life asks two questions every single day in life. What is the purpose of life and what is my purpose in this life? Well, to me, the purpose of life is just to enjoy your life. There is really no other purpose in life besides enjoy your life. Happiness, because yep. if you're not happy, you're going to destroy yourself, or you're going to destroy other people. It's just the way it goes. It's positive or negative. It's white, it's black, or it's white. It's it's good or it's bad. It's the yin and yang. It is. It is all around it's us. Pioneering. It is always forever. Yeah. Right. And so, understanding that, okay, if the point of life is happiness, what makes me happy? Well, playing music, going surfing, helping others, um, uh, enjoying. The, the sights of the world, enjoying great food, you know, and, and good drinks, having social events. Those are what make me happy, and 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 I like that. Am I down on other points? Sure, I'm down. I'm down just like everybody else. But understanding that that I'm down, I have to remind myself that I'm down, and I need to remember to, to enjoy my life. And that's hard to do a lot of times. And we'll go daily and we'll forget and we're just down and we're pissy and we're, and we're hurting other people through, you know, because we're lashing out at ourselves, but we, we just don't really know how to manage ourselves. And so, um, so understanding that like, okay, well, what is my purpose in this life then? Well, if the point of life is to enjoy life, what's my purpose? Well, my purpose is going to be to enjoy my life. OK, well, well, then I want to go surf. I want to play music. I want to I, I don't want to sit up in the house all the time. I don't want to I don't want to do the things that are going to drive me to craziness. However, if that is what you enjoy doing, then 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 do that in, in its enjoyment. But just understanding that if you're feeling negative, change your environment. Right. And So to me, I, I felt like, OK, if I'm going to if I want to serve, I want to play music, I want to travel. That takes money. That, that don't come free. Right. So if that's going to take money, what do I need to do? Because we all need to work to survive and inevitably. So find and we talk talked about this all the time. Find some do a job that makes you happy. Right. And We, we always talk about it. if you're not happy with your job, change it. Right. And, and there's all kinds of songs out there and, and personalities talk about it and, and change your life. Change. Find what's going to help make you happy to make it from birth to death without doing without freaking out killing yourself or killing somebody else, but to only remember to enjoy your life as best as possible, right? That's the mantra. That's the mantra of enjoy your life, you know? And that's honestly the 5150 criteria in the hospital, because if you become gravely disabled, because you freaked out and you couldn't control yourself anymore and you're, and you're literally laying there like, Oh, I can't do anything anymore. Or you, you kill somebody or you kill yourself. That's that goes against the whole principle of enjoying your life. Right? And so I I understand. Okay. For me, I felt helping people has always been the easiest thing. And, and I'm also lineage to Jack Kerouac. I don't know if you guys know who Jack Kerouac is, but he is one of the great prolific writers in, in, of the 50s into the 60s. And they often think okay. he is responsible for the turn of the hippie generation. And he wrote a book called On the Road. What's interesting about and the reason I bring that up is because we have the exact same birthday. And he had a lot of the same ideologies. That I talk about today, even though he had other ideologies, but the challenge for him is he was an alcoholic and alcoholism can destroy you. And it has a lot of negative, even though it has positive, but everything in moderation, it can destroy you. But so but anyways, kind of coming back is understanding that helping people makes me happy. It also um, it, it provides back to the world. It puts back into our environment. It helps to make the world around me a better place by me shining my, my light, being a positive role model and helping other people and talking about things like I'm doing and thus creating the nursing one, two, three. I often can forget To do the right thing, to stay happy, to go enjoy my life, and I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, and you know, especially when we're laying in bed and we're like, I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't want to do this. I I like I'm hating that. I'm not liking this. I don't want that. That Looks that's too much work. There's too much stress. So, I have I've created the other point of that. I think it's really important to teach to remember to do the right thing when we talk about it often. We've heard this scenario talked multiple times. Is surround yourself by that in which you want to be teach about it, talk about it, embody it. We talk about it in the Christian religion, you know, go out and worship to other people's. Why are we doing it? Why? Because it reminds us to be the good person to remind us. We can't just think of a, a, a notion like, oh, life is about this. Got it. And then mm-hmm. I'm good. And then I'm good for the rest of my life. It, that, it, don't, it don't happen like that because life gets in the way and people come at you and, and you know, and, and things change and, and it becomes stressful and then you, you start freaking out and you either kill yourself or you kill somebody else or you become gravely disabled and you forgot the main purpose of life, which was to enjoy your life.
0: Happiness. We It's a journey. And I mean, we get we get one journey and right. we have to yeah. we have to enjoy the ride at the end That's of the right. day. Um, and I love that it's again it, it, it should always be uh, sent everything we do centered around happiness and if we're happy guess what good news is we're going to make others around us happy too at the end of the day um, so I love that and and so I, I want to obviously talk a little just a little bit more about how you're with Nursing123 and you're, you're leveraging the, the power of social media um, and uh, the, those platforms to get it out to the world to have an impact and to, to scale that that impact. Um, but uh, the thing I wanted to you told me this and I loved it and is that social media is like a house party. Uh, what did you mean? What did you mean by that? I have a kind
1: of a uh, a sense of like looking at processes and how things relate to other things in life and and that's one reason why a lot of people like the way I teach is because I can relate it really well to other processes. But what I I think really interesting about the social media world and and its change and how it really has changed the world, right? And our ability to cross network and move through platforms. And so when we look at things like Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, uh, uh, YouTube, um, uh, TikTok, all of these places, when you have somebody who posts something on TikTok, How many, let's talk about Charlie D'Amelio for a minute. How many followers does she have on TikTok? 100 million followers. 100 million people go to her party. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every time she posts a party, 100 million people sometime or another will go through her party and, and check her out. But at the same time, we want to, how do you help build that party? Well, at that same time, she may not have had to do that. She she has, and she goes on others. But what happens when she comes to your party, your platform, and she says, "Hey, that was really cool," and you go, "Charlie D'Amelio said it was really cool on my party," right? So when we talk you just about hit you I, just
0: hit the fa- the fame lottery when that happened. the right. social you media the fame, fame lottery. lottery yeah, you know,
1: but yeah. what did she do? She ultimately came to your party because, at, at the end of the day, we all want to be heard and loved. That's what, that's why we get on social media. And even though people say, I don't really, I don't want to, but then they're on there posting. It's like, you could say that. Oh, or, you,
0: or they're lurk, lurking in the background, but they're on there. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't really want to, I don't really, but then you're out there posting. It's like, well, yeah, you do. And it's okay to, it's okay yeah. to be proud of your accomplishments. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to be proud of yourself. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I don't believe that that to be conceded on my walls in the background here. I have all kinds of accolades from things that I've done through my career. Why? Because I'm proud of my accomplishments. And it's okay to be proud of your accomplishments and it's okay to do podcasts and, and okay to build companies. And it's okay to be a, an out there like, you know, there, um, uh, what's his name? The boxer, uh, Irish boxer,
0: Oh, McGregor, Connor McGregor. Well, no, he's not a buyer, but he's the, he's a uh, MMA slash boxer. He but. once
1: did a, a, uh, interview and he's like. And they're like, well, it seems like all you want to do is you're, you're kind of like hyped up and proud, all this proud nonsense of yourself and and talking trash. And he's like, yeah, why not? I brought 400 million to your company. I'll just say whatever I want to because I'm proud of my accomplishments and nobody's going to tear me down for that. And I don't think that anybody should ever do that. I think that if, if you're kind of mean to other people in the aspect of how you do it, that's poor. That's poor. But be proud. Be happy. So when we come back to. You're creating a social media environment. You're creating Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you're doing. You're being the social media presence. You're being an influencer. You're creating a party every time you create a post. And you want people, because what do we always say? Like, subscribe, hit the bell so that you know when I'm coming back to be awesome. Right? And you're like, okay, I'll do that. Click. And it's right. And so what are you saying? I, every time you hit the bell and I post out a new party, I want you to come by so when you come by and you and I'm gonna I'll, I'll comment on the links below. what are you doing? You're wandering around the party talking to other people in the party. Everybody who created a post you're saying, hey, what's up how you yeah. doing Here's my pot Here, I agree with that I don't agree with that and you say okay, party's over because how long do most posts last?
0: Three seconds in this world <laughs>
1: okay. right Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and to that end to that point, like when you're and then sharing the other thing, too, is like, hey, bring your friends to my party. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right.
1: Come to my party. And then hopefully yeah. your party gets big enough and starts getting recognized and you're sharing it out that other people you're getting, you're becoming the celebrity, you know, and then you're becoming the party leader in, in all aspects of in, of social media. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you um, a l- just a little uh, quickly on like your, your current assignment um, that you're working right now or your most recent one if, if you're in between contracts and specifically like the, the COVID census um, things are starting to, to shift um, in the travel nursing world over the last few weeks uh, so you know basically what uh, has the COVID census been like on your current assignment and like specifically like what was it like when you started the assignment to, to where it's at now
1: so with the current assignment, so I, I, the question kind of folds over to what is the current tempo of COVID technically versus my assignment. Um, I think that every hospital has a different presentation of how COVID is affecting them, depending on this area. If it's an affluent area or not affluent area, you, you know, if they're educated and not educated, and, I, I, and some people will be like, what? What does that mean? That's so, that's so stereotypical and rude, but it's not because you can do data and statistics on it and you pull the number and say, here you go. You know, and it's just, it is what it is. And in certain areas, in certain hospitals, it will be way worse. In certain areas, it'll be a lot better and a lot less cases. And so I, I'm at um, UCLA Ronald Reagan, which was the, is the number one hospital in California. And so uh, I often say with the better, the hospital, the sicker, the patients. Why? Because when you're sick and you know your family's truly sick, where do you tend to want to go? To the best hospital, right? And some people are driving many, many, many miles. And I'm discharging patients saying, well, where are you living? They're saying, oh, I'm, I'm like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 miles away. I'm like, you guys drove all the way to here? They're like, yeah, it's the number one hospital in California. You're like, uh, yeah, I get that, right? So you're, you're going to get a lot more sick patients. But with that, in certain other areas, you're, you're, you may not have as sick or you may not have, or you may have be completely inundated. Currently, right now, it seems like there's a downtrend because of the, a lot of the holidays are open. But I'm driving around L.A. and and it's like it's like COVID is over, but not because people are not being sick and they're not coming in with ramifications of being sick. And which is a whole nother issue, uh, what COVID is doing to people and what I'm noticing them doing to people it is, you know, now we're going to start getting it has kind of toned down, which is nice. And, and I'm not getting quite as many new cases, but I'm yeah. getting a ton of return cases. Um, they're either COVID positive again, because I've had multiple double and triple positive patients since this has started, you know, because remember, this is still a novel virus and we're trying to figure out how it's working. But at the same time, um, what it seems like now with COVID is, is it's a, a bouncing virus is you'll get sick and you're going to get really sick and then it'll fade away and you're feeling better. And then all of a sudden you get sick again and you're like, well, and then maybe it fades and then you get really sick again. And you're like, well, why is that happening? Because that seems to be what this COVID virus has done is It's it's coming in waves and it just keeps either you'll come back with all the COVID symptoms, but you'll be COVID negative. Why? Because maybe we don't know that strain or we're not testing the strain that you are or maybe it's not presenting. And now your body is just in in what we call a COVID wave or what I call a COVID wave, you know, and, and now you're you're getting a ramification from it, almost like as if you get a hurricane. And it destroys the whole population of the town, and then you get another small storm that comes right in behind it, or maybe another. How many times have we seen massive storms roll in behind, you know, behind the big ones in, on the east coast? And so you kind of look at it, something like that. So, my tempo when I first started at UCLA was it, it was it was pretty um, there. They, the way they do things there is so much better. Uh, there's a lot of systematic process things that they have implemented and put into place that just makes it so much easier and, and proper. And I, I can't attest to that more because I've been at hospitals that have none of those processes in place. And, and it, it won't even be that busy, but it's such a pain and it's such a challenge to, to be in that environment. And that's why I choose not to work at those hospitals either, because I already know it's like, that's just inviting misery, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to do that. But, um, When we first started, it was there was still a lot of cases coming in. And so now the holidays are over. We're moving up into February. Remember, we didn't recognize COVID until March of last year. So we're coming up on the one year anniversary here really shortly. So I don't know the exact date. I meant to look that up. But so it's important for everybody to remember that we're coming up on that one year anniversary and we didn't start really recognizing. And then summer starts coming and we're going to want we want to get out of the house because of, of cabin fever, if you will. Being cooped up through the winter and it's been cold and nobody really wants to get outside we're going to start getting and, and mingling around more people and we're going to start having we're already i'm noticing way more parties happening over here and people are gathering over there and doing that that's fine to do that there's nothing wrong with doing that but when you start really enclosing yourself into these smaller areas and you're hugging and kissing people and i'm already seeing people fist bumping all the time and hands and shaking and this and that and it's like going right back to the old norm it's not going to go away any faster. And we're not even sure that this vaccine works correctly. We're hoping for the best. and But we already know there's a lot of side effects within. Some people are dying, which have people die with vaccines anyways. But at the same time, now there's a lot of light on it. And so we're, the, the question will be is, how are we going to start moving as we move forward through the rest of the flu season? And flu season technically doesn't end until April, right?
0: Do you think, I just want to ask you to kind of what you're sharing right there, is do you think like that there, there could, there's the potential for like, a third wave uh, going into the summer because of everything you were just talking about?
1: Yeah, I, I, easily. Uh, I, have no, I have no doubts that there can be a third wave. I think that the way the third wave would stop is by us just, we already have recognized that doing things like social distancing, wearing your mask, wear appropriately, washing your hands, not touch. The other thing, biggest thing is don't touch things that you don't need to touch. Stop touching everything. Keep your distance back. Just keep your hands to yourself. Because when you're sick, you're not feeling well because we know people lie all the time. They'll be sick. (coughs) I'm not sick. No, no, I'm not good. It's just a little. And then they're over there touching everything. And then they're touching all the food products that you went and had. And they're shaking your hand right after because there's a lot of nasty bodies out there. And it's just the way it is. That's the way it will always be. Then you got to understand that not everybody is doing the right thing. And if they're not going to do the right thing, you only can do you. And you have to back up and, and take that stance and be like, when somebody goes with this or a handshake, you just go. And it's socially awkward. It's like, oh, why? And they're like, oh, you're one of those. And you're like, well, it's not that I'm one of those. I just know that right now we're in a pandemic that we're trying to get rid of. And I really just kind of want to I'll be close to you. But, you know, like and if I'm up in your face, it's like, why don't you put your mask on? Because you're sitting on me. And technically, when we talk and we, we look at the view of when how far things go, they can go pretty far. So. One of the things that I think really, that I think it's really important to understand, and I don't think a lot of the population understands this, and this is really important to understand why there's going to be a second or a third wave, and then why this could go all the way into next fall, in which I believe it will. Will it go at the intensity it is now? It will depend on how well that vaccine worked, how many people are getting the vaccine. And then how well we manage ourselves through the summer, and we start opening up everything as a base normal. Yeah, it's going to come back next fall. I can guarantee you that 100. I will put money on it, right? But if we keep it, which unfortunately you're going to have to keep massive venues down because you can't keep proper distancing in massive venues. It's just kind of inevitable. You you can't because if you have a concert and you're gonna and you're like we're only going to let 10,000 people in there, we're all 10,000 going to go right to the front of the stage. You're going to put security guards constantly in there. You're going to put chairs based out and say, stay in your chair. I don't don't know that that's really going to work, maybe, but I don't know. But uh, the, the end all is that what I think we really need to understand is population. When we talk about infection control, and preventive medicine practices, it's important to understand that our bodies are cyclical. Everything in life is cyclical. Everything is born and dies. From, from instantaneous moments, seconds, like, like fractions of a second, all the way to the birth and death of our life and the birth and death of the planet. It is just going to happen. Everything turns over. What is, what is happening when things turn over? Things shed. When things, when things die, they shed. They fall apart. They turn back to the natural environment of life. You are going to shed. I'm going to shed. The trees, leaves fall off the trees. The ocean has red tides. We have the, the cold comes through. Dur- usually during the cold is when everything sheds. It is the turnover of life. It is inevitable. No matter what you do, you will never get rid of it. You cannot get rid of the shedding and the death of the world, of environments, of you, of yourself, of, of everything. It just happens so when does that usually happen yours is going to happen at a different time than mine's going to happen that usually happens during the fall and the the winter season coming up into the summer usually during that time we are at our weakest in immunity our bodies are shedding we're sick we get sick often we're off gassing it is just the way it's going to happen and when you start off gassing all over the place the sicker you are the worse you're off gas would you agree with that
0: yeah 100
1: so but why are why does everybody love the summer so much because we are at the height of our immunity, we are at the height of our happiness. The sun is at its strongest. Our vitamin D is usually at our best. Our emotional standard—we're we're just at our best. And then we start. And sometimes we're sick during the summer. We were all sick during last summer because it just kept coming. And it was—it was a virus that is not like normal viruses, and it lasted through the summer. And I was saying that earlier last year when I was doing my live feeds and podcast. that it was—it was going, it was lasting, and it was the way this is happening is not like anything we've seen. And I believe it will move right into the fall, which it did, and at high, high rates and speeds. But luckily, we had already learned from it. We've learned how to manage the, a lot of the patients. And we're having a lot less deaths because we're learning that putting a patient right on uh, a, um, a ventilator is a death sentence in a lot of ways. So we have been doing where you're managing at these low respiratory rates. We're going to put you on high flow. We're going to do everything to keep you off ventilation, off to put you under. Because once we put you under, that's kind of it. So is there a possibility of a third wave? It's highly possible if we don't do the simple basic things. If we don't simply just keep our distance when appropriate, um, wear your mask when appropriate, wash your hands often, especially if you're sick, and don't touch things and stop hugging people, except for those close family. You know, but at the end of the day, you have to do you. You, you, you can't have a, sterile, uh, a sterility environment. It's just not gonna be possible. So minimize the amount that you do recognize when you do and go and recognize the situation like that's probably too many people in there I think I'll pass and I've done that multiple times myself well I'll go I'm doing something and I look and there's way too many people inside or the line is too long it's something and i'm like you know what I'll just pass and I'll come back another time and it's just the way we've had to work and change our environment but once the pandemic's over just like plague was over just like SARS was over just like um, MERS and just like swine flu and just like all these other things once they're over we can get back to a normality just remember this ain't the last pandemic coming
0: yeah we will get back to normal at some point in time I I will always be optimistic uh that we will but um we're not we're not there yet and we still there's still work to be done uh to get there but um I'm fired up for for when that day does come what is your definition of travel nursing success travel
1: nursing success comes down to you finding the right road. How do you find the right road? What is the right road? What does that mean? Find the hospitals that make you happy. Because what did I say the end of the days what is the goal of life?
0: Happiness. Enjoy
1: your life. Enjoy 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 the the
0: ride. ride. That's right. Right. As
1: a lot of travel nurses, you know, there's so many different travel nursing areas popping up. And how many people are we starting to see that their boyfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and they're traveling around and they're traveling in a van where they're hooking up with small locations or, and they're going from, from north to south, east to west, they're hitting up Alaska, they're, you know, they're just doing the, the experience that a travel nurse is getting is so vast that I, it's still so new that we truly don't grasp the concept of what a travel nurse brings to the table. So my case in point. I have worked at two level one trauma centers prior to becoming a travel nurse. And since then, I have worked at Kaiser. I have worked at another level one trauma center. I've worked at a, a level two trauma center. I've worked at some community hospitals. I've, I've kind of scanned the gamut. And the reason I'm doing that is because it increases my depth of knowledge and experience at every single facility. And I have, I have along with the vast majority of other nurses out there, if they're paying attention to what they're doing, that they are gaining such valuable experience that they can bring to every single new facility should that facility start listening to them but a lot of times the facilities don't listen they just go you're a damn traveler whatever so that's a huge that that's a huge um thing that i i and i'm sure you're getting at that same thing is trying to change the culture of what travel nursing is is and sounds like to all of the other um uh, facilities and other travel nurses out there and so if you're getting to a facility and you've learned some great things from that facility and you've gotten to see some, you you bank your time correctly and you maybe you do six days in a row and you take eight days off in that area. Let's say you're in Arizona, right? Or, and you're over by the Grand Canyon and you're like, you know what? I'm going to bank six days in a row and I'm going to take my eight days off. And then you go and you travel and you drive all around Arizona and you drive, you, you see the craters, you see um, the Canyon, you see, you go some river rafting, you do, and you're, and you're just like, That's free vacation. I mean, that's what and we're doing that at home already. But now you're traveling around the world and you're having somebody else pay you or not the world yet. Hopefully it gets there. But we're traveling around the United States uh, and being able to have these elongated vacations. with the place to stay that's already paid for a vehicle in your, you know, in your presence and you're in the local area, You, you can literally not be a tourist but you're doing touristic things, but you're not really considered a tourist anymore because you're living that local life. And that is so unique to any other job out there right now that I can think of is our ability to not have to be hustling 14 to 15 hours a day, trying to get something off the ground or just working our our main job. We can go in, knock out 12 hours, three days in a row, and then be like, done, I'm out. And and then just roll and have no, I don't have to worry about studying. I don't have to worry about deadlines. I don't have to worry about, so I'm literally on eight days of just chilling. And then on that seventh day, I'm kind of wrapping back up, getting home, and I'm having to get back into my, my mental state, which is usually a very stressful state for most nurses. Knowing Coming back to saving lives, as is, is much as we love doing it, it can be very stressful. But I think that's what really gives that. It's a dual platform of finding a facility that makes you happy and being able to achieve uh, the outside activities outside of that area that make you happy, like going to Alaska. How, how rad would that be? How crazy would it be to get there, where it never gets dark because you land there during a summer assignment, where it's always dark, which I would never wanna do. I, I'm sure the Alaska's travel assignments during the winter are really hard to fill, <laughs> I would figure.
0: Yeah percent well and, and the reality is is that you know every nurse wants something different out of the travel nurse experience right um, however there are some common threads uh, for most nurses that are choosing uh, travel nursing and that is the high-paying flexible lifestyle and it really that is that's autonomy is what we're talking about right is is nurses truly when they're like hey I want to travel of course there's a lot that do want the adventure um, they do want those experiences on their six days off eight days off etc um but it's it really the, the number one thing like if, if you were to ask me like what do I sell? Well, I don't sell anything. I help. But if I was to say I sold something, I would say I sell autonomy, right? And what I mean by that is nurses want autonomy over their time. They want autonomy over their task, over their schedule. They want to pick where they're going to work, when they're going to work, how long they're going to work, uh, who they're going to be working with, right? Because they get to choose the hospital at the end of the day. Um, so it's really at, at the core of it all is autonomy. It's we kind of like in the in, in the common language in the travel nurse community, we, we use the term flexibility. But it's truly autonomy at the end at the end of the
1: day. I would agree with that and the ability with that autonomy is the ability to be able to pick a You don't have to just be like, oh, man, I got to settle for this job It's the only one in town kind of thing, you know, and you could say, you know what? I want to try to make this kind of money what's available, you know, and, and the other cha- The other ability is to be able to move from company to company you know, we want to be, a, I've been staying with predominantly two major companies, but the ability to go through company to company, because each company offers different different locations or different incentives yeah. or different pays, and, and that autonomy is, is really, really important, I believe.
0: 100%. Well, where uh, can my audience, our audience, uh, connect with you online?
1: So, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, it's really funny. I'm trying to, there, it's nursing.123, because they're a girl who has nursing one two three uh, and she has one photo of her uh, as her main photo and then a photo of her baby as the second photo and she will not answer to relinquish this site (laughs) i'm like you're not going to use it let me have it Uh, you can find me on uh, my website that i'm developing still this is still again just like you're doing it's all by your by myself i don't have the money to to really manage a lot of these things yet and i'm getting there uh, eventually as i build things i'm building my my clinical site so one of the areas right here actually uh, this is going to change. There's going to be a big screen TV there where I will be doing my um, my live feed stuff as well as I'll have that'll be my PowerPoint background. And then I'm getting another thing that I can use to draw on so that I will be able to switch it and, and be down to because uh, people love live, you know, surprisingly enough. And if you go yeah. live at a certain time, because they can get that value of direct interaction. So yeah. but nursing one, two, three dot info. Uh, will be my website. Uh, You can find me on Facebook at Nursing123, on Instagram at Nursing.123. And uh, I'm not on Twitter or TikTok yet, but I'll probably end up doing some TikTok stuff because my daughters love doing it. And so uh, you know, I I will be doing a lot of different things on there, both educational because it's a two-part thing that I'm doing as well as what you're doing. You have this wonderful company you're building at the same time I I, uh, have realized and recognized through your ability to do these podcasts and thus doing the podcast with you is is the promotion of us to help and get our story out there and help change the face of travel nursing. And I think that's absolutely yeah. wonderful. So on that second part is I can teach and talk about. But I also will be showing you through my own, which you can follow me on Joel, Joel Kerouac RN, which it's, you can see it up on here. Uh, Uh, Follow me on what I'm doing as a general uh, and my daily life and the things I'm doing to enjoy my life and how I'm trying to be a good father, as well as as helping out in the local communities and and the different ways that uh, I'm just living my day to day. And I'm teaching to remind myself to to be that good that good role model for myself as well as other people so that I truly can enjoy my life. And so it, it, bodes over as I, I'm teaching it here. Cause it's frustrating to hear somebody talk about something all the time and you know, you need to do this, you need to do this and you should be doing that. But then you look over here and it's like, well, you're not doing any of it. Why should I do anything you're doing when you're not even doing the same
0: thing? Right, right. Well, um, we'll, we'll link all that up too um, in, in the, in the video when we get this out. But uh, I, I can't, I guess I want to acknowledge you first uh, for everything that you are doing. Um, both on your kind of your 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 day-to-day job in terms of you know patient care but really how you're trying to give back and educate the community um, that we're both a part of I think is just you're providing tremendous value and you're just getting started and so I'm really excited to watch uh, your your channels grow and your you kind of scale your reach and the the education and that you're going to provide it again it all comes down to value at the end of the day and and so thank you for everything you're doing um, there and um, again, uh, can extend enough gratitude uh, for coming on today and, and collaborating. Uh, this is probably won't be the last time we collaborate on some content. I have I have a, a, a sneaky feeling, but because yeah, I, I want to do you. a little
1: bit more talk on you because I so we're gonna have to redo this same thing on my channel. So yeah. I got some questions asked for you and stuff as well. But I, I thank you for bringing me on, Justin, and uh, all of that lead health staff is doing and what you're doing on the side for to help us and and just put the word out there and. Hopefully we can help make that change as we move forward and as things, because inevitably it's going to move forward. And I believe that how we help make that and, and shape that along with all the others who are listening and everybody who comes on and does this after me uh, with you, uh, will help make those changes and, and we'll end up having this really killer uh, travel nurse world.
0: Yep. hundred percent, my man, hundred yeah. percent. So thank you. Appreciate yeah. you. And sure. thanks. Uh, brother.